So um, before I go into um, the, the content, I'd like just to um, say thank you to my supervisors in Birmingham, Dr. Claudio Tenia. He's now working in the Department of Archaeology at the University of Tübingen in, in Germany and Dr. Sarah Beck and Professor Ian Eppley at um, University and the ESRC for funding this research. So um, my focus or the focus of our research group is material culture and um, as you all know um, that is not the only um, area of culture that um, humans have. Of course we have um, symbolic culture, language and social conventional culture, for example, our rituals. Um, our research group focuses on material culture, and with that um, I mean tools, technology, instrumental skills and knowledge. And this is because um, my research group has a very strong comparative focus. That means we look at, um, so when we study the origins um, of human material culture, we would also like to know um, what our closest living relatives, that is um, the chimpanzees, the orangutans, and also other animals um, can do. Because we assume that our impressive cultural abilities haven't just started from nowhere. There um, might be some um, cultural or culture-like phenomena in other um, animals, and that's why we look at material culture, because, um, as you may or may not know, but I will go into this um, in a bit, um, our, some of our closest living relatives, the chimpanzees and the orangutans, have quite an impressive um, range of uh, material culture. So, um, in that regard, it needs tool use. So, that, is, uh, that will be the focus um, of my talk today. And then also um, to get everyone on the same page what I mean with culture, so um, I guess that um, you all know that there are countless definitions of um, culture and uh, you're probably all familiar um, with this um, definition by Tyler. And um, for us as a, like having this comparative perspective, this definition um, isn't really a workable one because a priori it excludes other animals um, from potentially having culture or culture-like phenomena. And researchers have become interested in this question whether animals also have culture and um, looking at these um, three quite um, influential books, um, at least um, the biologists, like by now, biologists and psychologists actually mainly agree that um, it's not only humans who have a culture, but you can find this also in um, cetaceans, um, chimpanzees, as I mentioned before. Um, so, therefore, um, we usually have a different uh, definition of culture. Um, so, that is again um, Tyler's definition. Um, what is um, the core of this, and what we also take um, for our definition, is um, this aspect of social learning. So, um, if you have uh, knowledge, beliefs, customs, whatever, that is um, socially learned um, from, one like, for, from other individuals around you, and often also transmitted over many generations. And that is also something that we use a lot in our definitions for culture, this um, strong focus on social learning. 
Um, and then instead of a complex whole, um, we usually look at behavior because that is just what we can um, see in the animals, what is easily observable. Um, and these here are the definitions um, I'm working with. So a tradition is a distinctive behavior pattern shared by two or more individuals in a social unit which persists over time and that new practitioners acquire at least in part through social learning. And culture is just um, a multitude of traditions um, that usually span different domains of behavior. So for example, um, in the chimpanzees, they use um, tools and they learn from others how to use the tools in different domains. So for example, for foraging, um, or in um, social situations, in aggressive situations, so different domains. So this will be, um, uh, this is usually the definition um, I work with, so just to get everyone on the same, same page there. Um, what I find quite useful is this um, culture uh, pyramid. Um, what this shows is that social information transfer and social learning is quite widespread in the animal kingdom. Traditions um, are um, a little bit rarer. I'll show you an example in a bit that maybe uh, most of you know. And culture is something that does occur in the wild, but it, we don't have um, evidence for a lot of species possessing culture. So like I said, the cetaceans, some cetaceans um, possess culture, the chimpanzees. And then on uh, at the very top, we have cumulative culture, um, and I'll go into that in a bit, just to show you um, two examples. So this is a, um, an example for a tradition, the milk bottle opening by British tits. So what, you, um, so what researchers have found is that these um, uh, birds learned how to open the tin foil um, from uh, milk bottles, and that started in the south of England, and during the 1930s and 40s, um, that behavior um, spread um, throughout the country. So that would be an example for um, a behavior that is socially learned, um, and you find that in another animal. Um, culture, just the coming together of very um, different traditions, so there has been a, a very influential paper in 1999 um, looking at different traditions um, that we find in chimpanzees. And um, there's like this endless list of um, uh, the traditions that have been found. They mostly look into um, tool use. Um, so uh, for example, chimpanzees use tools um, to extract termites from uh, termite mounds, um, or they use um, stones to crack open nuts. And um, the interesting thing here is that different, different chimpanzee groups across Africa um, use tools for different um, purposes. So what you can see here that each group has quite a distinctive pattern um, of um, what kind of tools they use. And that superficially might look like um, what is going on with the humans. So if we hypothetically took a chimpanzee and we looked at what he or she can actually do, like what kinds of tools they use, you could maybe uh, make a very good guess in which cultural group, so to say, um, to put the um, chimpanzee. But 
Of course, um, even though this is um, quite impressive, um, the similarity between uh, the chimpanzee culture and human culture um, might actually just be superficial. Um, the social learning that is underlying um, the, the cultural phenomena in humans and um, the chimpanzees is argued to be quite different. So what makes humans unique is actually this capacity for producing cumulative culture. So that's also um, a, a term that we use a lot. So this is the ability to improve upon the cultural traits that you've learned from others. So it's not only social learning, but innovating on top of that. And as a, a result, these traits become more and more complex over time. And eventually, and that, now that is a crucial bit of this uh, definition, eventually these traits um, become so complex that they are beyond what any naive individual could invent. So a very extreme example would be um, the space shuttle, for example. This is something that no one um, individually in this room could have invented, but it is basically this result of our capacity for cumulative culture, and this is assumed to be uniquely human. Just to put that in um, other words, maybe to help the understanding. So if I just picked here the chimpanzees and the humans, so what um, we argue um, is that um, the traditions you find in the chimpanzees, so for example, using a stick to fish for termites or using the stone to crack open nuts, that these are um, things that um, every chimpanzee could potentially reinvent. So that's why put like this circle on top of the head, so they could potentially reinvent it. Even though the chimpanzees often learn from others how to fish for termites, for example, in principle they could reinvent it on their own. So these cultural traits are not very complicated. Of course the case is quite different um, in humans, so in terms of a material culture, just two random examples like tool use or tool making, most of our um, material culture are things that we could not have invented on our own, but are what we call cumulative culture. So basically just different way of um, just showing you what I um, just said, maybe that's a bit more um, yeah, easier to understand if I visualize it like this. So the question, of course, is whether um, non-human animals also have a cumulative culture that is very hotly debated. I'm uh, not going into this at all. This is not the focus of um, this topic. But a second question is, how is it, like, why is it us? That, um, why are humans able to produce cumulative culture? What is going on here? So what enables us to produce cumulative culture? So actually, um, in 2005, there was this special issue um, by uh, science um, about um, the 125 big questions that need to be answered um, in the next uh, 25 to 30 years. And one of the questions was, what are the roots of human culture? And they touch here on cumulative culture. So no animal comes close to having humans' ability to build on previous discoveries and pass these improvements on. So that is ex exactly cumulative culture. And 
determining these differences could help us understand how human culture evolved. So that is exactly what we also try, um, where we also try to contribute to um, look into the origins of cumulative culture. And as a psychologist, I'm especially interested in the psychological mechanisms that are underlying this capacity. So cumulative culture, cultural traits that cannot be invented by any individual of a species, just a couple of examples here. They, um, so two key um, abilities are argued to underlie our capacity for cumulative culture. That's on the one hand, a high fidelity social transmission, so um, imitation, teaching, and on the other hand, innovation. So we also need to innovate on top of what we've learned from others. And psychologists um, like myself, we are quite interested in um, finding out um, what exactly the social transmission mechanisms are that allow us um, to produce cumulative culture. So just to um, show you why social um, transmission and innovation, um, so if we very simply simulate um, cumulative culture. So we have here several generations and a certain cultural trait, for example, using a very simple stone as a hammer, and that gets socially transmitted from one generation to the next. And then at some point, someone adds an innovation and improves that cultural trait, which then again gets transmitted, and at some point someone else adds another good idea, and so on. So this process, um, so, at, so ideally here you have what we call cumulative culture, um, and this is a product of what we call the ratchet effect, because you're basically ratcheting up this complexity or the efficiency of that trait. And you, you see these two core aspects that are important um, for the ratchet effect or are underlying. You need a faithful transmission between uh, generations and you need this capacity for innovation. Okay, and why children? So, we, we don't know at all at what, um, at what age cumulative cultural learning actually starts. So, uh, we, we don't know when children actually employ their social learning mechanisms to learn about cumulative culture. That hasn't been um, studied that much, so um, that's why I'm interested um, in that quest question. And secondly, um, children can help us um, to more closely identify what kinds of social learning mechanisms are underlying uh, cumulative culture. So what I mean with, uh, with that is that experiments that uh, psychologists do with, um, part, uh, with adult participants are sometimes confounded. Uh, so if you, for example, want to find out um, or you want to um, simulate generations in the laboratory, um, you present the, the adults, your participants, with a certain task and then you allow them to learn from each other in certain ways. Um, what, 
you, you can never control how much cultural knowledge your participants already bring to the experiment. So if you, for example, allow them to not watch each other, but only to look at um, what someone um, has built. So for example, if you present them with a certain tower construction task and you, you're only allowed to look at the final product and you can't really imitate someone else, um, that would basically look into the question whether imitation, so action copying, is needed um, to support this high fidelity social transmission. Um, and if you find that the adults actually um, can learn from these products and they don't need to imitate someone, the problem that you run in uh, there is um, that you don't really know how much knowledge the participants already bring to your experiment. They might have seen um, the Eiffel Tower, for example. They know how a good um, co like construction or tower would look like, so you're not really sure um, whether the knowledge they are apply, uh, applying um, has been acquired by imitation at some point earlier in their life. And with the children, what you can do is, if you go very young, um, children don't have much knowledge about the world yet. I mean, of course they do, they have vast cultural knowledge, but compared to the adults, they have a little bit more reduced knowledge about the world. They maybe don't know all about like physics or um, like causal, um, the causal role of um, certain structures in something like this um, Eiffel Tower. So they actually um, would benefit from learning from others and they don't bring that much knowledge to the um, task. And that's basically the approach um, we do. Um, so we, we test very young children um, and we give them tasks they haven't necessarily encountered before. So they're quite naive and then we can uh, more purely study um, what kind of social learning mechanisms and what kind of social information they need in order um, to learn from cumulative culture or to maybe even pr produce it themselves. So before I um, show you the study um, we did, um, one more um, aspect about or comment about um, definitions or nomenclature. Um, Children and cumulative culture, this combination may sound a bit weird because who actually said that children would build something like the Eiffel Tower or complex tools? I mean, we know that it's usually humans who um, have acquired vast um, cultural knowledge um, during their ontogeny that at some point, uh, who at some point innovate. So it's usually not the children who contribute to the cultural <coughs> Um, repertoire we have. So why study children? Well, if we want to look, or why, why, why ask whether children can produce or copy cumulative culture? Well, we're not saying that children produce cumulative culture. What we use as a definition is um, what we call a culture-dependent trait. So basically, culture-dependent traits just describes any trait that a certain individual or group you're looking at, in our case, the kids, um, can only acquire through social learning. Culture-dependent uh, traits are um, an overarching concept. So they basically describe anything that a group or an individual couldn't have learned individually. 
and culture-dependent trait um, encompasses cumulative culture. Cumulative culture is basically describing um, any cultural trait that no one in the entire species could have invented. The example is the space shuttle. But with the children, I mean, we can't go into an experiment with children and show them a space shuttle and then just study whether they are able to make one on their own. We need to, of course, um, make their tasks a little bit easier. And um, that's why we, we use culture-dependent traits. So we, the idea is we look at what children at a certain age, and I studied children between four and six, so um, what children between four and six cannot yet do on their own. So there's certain things, so for example, what I mentioned before, um, if you give them a construction task and you ask them to build something really, really tall, with these children between four and, uh, four and six, they actually find this quite difficult. And then you can um, look at what are the things that at that age the children can't yet do on their own. And that would be a culture-dependent trait. So for example, I'll show you a picture in a second, um, quite a complex uh, tower. That m might be something that a four-year-old can't invent um, on his or her own yet, but it's not cumulative culture because as an adult you would, you would be able to make such a tower even though you, you would have grown up on an island all by yourself. So that's why we um, differentiate these two terms. So in study one, we wanted to know whether children, young children, are already able to copy culture-dependent traits. And in study two, we wanted to know whether young children can actually produce culture-dependent traits on their own. So again, a reminder, we're not asking can they produce cumulative culture, like a space shuttle, but we just wanted to know can the children, by working together and learning from each other, can they already produce a culture-dependent trait? So are these high-fidelity social transmission mechanisms and the innovative um, capacities, are they already in place in young children? So, that, uh, so uh, here's study one. First question, can young children acquire culture-dependent traits? And the second, more interesting, what kind of social information do they need to do so? So previous studies um, have demonstrated or have investigated children's social learning in a broader scope. So they have demonstrated children um, with certain tasks. So here, the children watch an experimenter use a tool to um, get a reward out of a very complicated looking box. Um, and here, uh, children see an experimenter making a tool, a hook tool, out of a pipe cleaner to get a bucket with a reward out of um, a bottle. So, and what you find is that children, um, starting from a very young age, um, are able to copy quite faithfully these demonstrations. So they readily copy. It, children are cultural sponges, they just learn everything um, you show them. So very faithful imitation. However, these demonstrations are very, very simple. And what you see in uh, control conditions, so basically 
where the children, conditions in which the children don't see a demonstration, but they're just given the task, and you basically look at what the children can do on their own, you find that, it, that some of the children actually are able to figure out how to use this tool or to make a hook out of a pipe cleaner. So these things are not really what we would call culture-dependent traits because the solutions to these tasks lie within what children can do on their own. So it's basically not what we're interested in. We want to see, can children um, copy from a, like from a demonstrator something they could not have invented on their own? So <coughs> a study was needed in which children in a baseline condition, so in a control condition where they are on their own, and they do not have any opportunity to learn socially, cannot do the task. And that had been missing from, from the literature. So that was basically what we did. We were looking for a study in which um, our group of children, between four and six years of age, um, had to copy something that they couldn't have done on their own. And um, we used a so-called spaghetti tower task that has already been used um, to study um, cultural learning with human adults. And that's a, quite a simple task. Um, you basically give participants um, sticks and plasticine and you ask them to build something as tall as possible. And that is exactly what we did. So in a, in a pilot study, we gave this material to young children between four and six and we looked at what the children can do. So they have a six-minute building time, and then we analyzed um, the towers that the children made, how tall they were, what the structure looked like, and then we identified a culture-dependent product. So we invented this, to adults quite um, admittedly um, simple-looking structure, uh, this tripod here, um, this is something that the children in this baseline um, condition did not invent on their own. So the children between four and six, they find it quite hard to actually um, think of having more than one stand at the bottom of the tower. So that was something that is still beyond children's spontaneous inventive ability. So we said, okay, we'll use this here, this product here, um, to demonstrate it um, to children. So in this pilot game, like I just said, these are the materials. Children had to build something as tall as possible and just to give you an idea of how that looked like, so we were testing in um, science museums or, and in schools and uh, the children are tested individually, they are presented with the task and they're shown like very briefly what you can do like with the plasticine with the sticks and then they're just given like a free um, six minutes to do whatever they wanted. We wanted to know what can children build on their own and we found this is something that they definitely can't produce on their own. So this was our culture dependent product and with that we went into our main study in which we had three different conditions. Um, here you see the numbers of children we were testing in each condition. Um, they were all different children. They were between four and six years of age. 
We had another bass line. So children in the bass line just got um, the instruction to build something as tall as possible within six minutes. And then crucially we had two other conditions in which the children saw our tripod. So there was an action demonstration condition. The children, before they had a go at the task, saw me making the tripod. And then they saw the final product. So in this condition, the children can learn from the actions, they can imitate the actions, and they can learn from the product. In this condition, the children only see the final result. So I'm basically just bringing out um, something that I made earlier, but the children don't see how this um, product is made. So the difference between these two conditions is that in here, the children, uh, in this condition, the children just um, can't use imitation, they can't copy any actions. And we wanted to know, is this reduced information set that the children are given, is that um, actually um, sufficient to make them um, copy that um, that product here. So we found that in the baseline, again, the children were not really good um, at the um, at constructing the tower. So that is actually good for us because um, we want the children um, to find this task quite difficult. So that in these um, conditions, they actually might want to use information that they're given. And what we found is that um, the children in these two other conditions, first of all, built um, taller towers than in the baseline. That might not be surprising, but interesting, and also these two conditions didn't differ. And um, most importantly, some children in these two conditions spontaneously made such a tripod, right? So what we um, draw from this is that apparently the children don't need to see action in order to, to get action information um, in order to quite spontaneously uh, like copy this culture dependent trait. So, can young children acquire culture dependent traits? Yes, in our study group from four to six, we showed that they were able to copy this material culture dependent trait. Which social information do they need to do so? Well, apparently they don't need action information. So imitation, that is action copying, is not necessary. And that is interesting because um, it has been argued that um, our closest living relatives, the chimpanzees, um, don't imitate as much or as closely as humans do. So if we show that imitation might not be necessary to copy culture-dependent products, that might open up the possibility that um, chimpanzees um, who don't use imitation that much might also be able to at least copy something that they could not do on their own. In the second study, we wanted to look at whether the children can produce culture-dependent traits themselves. So in the first study, we were just looking at, can they copy? Now we were asking, can they produce it themselves? And again, what kind of social information do they need? So culture-dependent traits, by definition, are traits that you can't do on your own. 
So that's why we basically look at groups of children um, or generations of children. I'll um, show you in a bit what I mean by that. And we wanted to know, do groups of children already have the innovative capacities and the social learning um, mechanisms to actually produce culture-dependent traits themselves? No one has really looked into that very deeply yet, um, because it's usually uh, assumed that children just download um, the cultural knowledge that is um, out there, but don't really produce that much themselves. And we wanted to see, do they have the capacities for it? So, you might remember the ratchet effect, so ratcheting up the complexity or efficiency of a cultural trait. You can simulate this, or you can try to simulate this um, effect in the laboratory. So Christine Caldwell, she has done some cultural learning experiments with um, human adults. She has used this tower construction task and presented it um, to adults. Um, and she used um, generations, so to say. So um, imagine you have 10 adults uh, come into your study room and you give the same task, the tower construction, to each of them in sequence. So person one starts, makes a tower, leaves. And the second person is able to watch the first one and to see what the first one did and can learn from that and then has a go at the task. And then the next one um, comes. So basically, you, you try to simulate a generations and see whether um, your, the people in these generations can learn from each other and whether at the end of this chain, at the end of these generations, your participants actually produced something that is way more com complicated than what a single person could have done. So she did that also with a tower construction task and she showed that the ratchet effect can be simulated in the laboratory um, with human adults and that you can also find this ratchet effect when the participants don't have access to action information. That is, if you just see what um, like the, your, the previous generation has made, but you, you can't actually watch someone making this structure, you just see the final product. So she found um, that action copying is not necessary. And we, we actually asked um, the same questions uh, for the children. So um, we already know from the first study that children do have the social learning capacities to learn um, um, and copy culture-dependent traits, but um, psychologists um, argue that children are not quite good at innovating yet because um, they might not have um, the vast cultural knowledge yet um, to combine what they know and to create it into something novel. Um, that is an understudied um, area. So question mark, um, can, so the question is here, do the children, uh, can the children um, employ their innovative capacities together with their transmission um, ability to produce um, these culture dependent traits? And we use the same task here, tower construction game, 10 minutes, gave them plasticine and um, sticks. Again, we had, um, uh, a baseline, sorry, that should have been here, 
um, a baseline um, in which the children didn't get any social demonstration, and then transmission chains. So we had eight chains of ten children, and since we already knew that um, children can copy these um, towers without action information that we know from our first study, um, the children in our study only saw what the, pre the children in the previous generations had, had made. They didn't see other children building. So basically here we had an, um, uh, this condition or these chains um, did not allow action copying. So just to give you an insight here, um, this girl here just has um, a go at the task and she was shown, so let's assume she was um, in position four of the chain, um, see she um, is shown what the children in positions three and two made and then she has a go um, herself and then again we, we measure how tall these constructions were and what kind of structure they have. And we wanted to see whether at the end of these chains the children can produce something that the individual children in the baseline could not have made. Maybe they would even come up with a tripod themselves. So, no. <laughs> the results did not look um, very encouraging. Um, as you can see, I mean, the pictures are quite uh, small, but um, that is just to get across the, uh, the general um, uh, finding that the children found this incredibly hard and they, that they did not learn a lot from the towers that were presented to them. And if you put that into a graph, um, here you can see um, the position in the chains going from 1 to 10. And what uh, you see here is the tower height that we measured. And ideally, if you would see a ratchet effect, which you see with the adults, you would see that over um, the positions in the chain, the tower height gradually increases. So that is what we find with um, the adults in the same condition. So even if the adults only see the final construction, they are able to kind of pick up good ideas. And um, you see a trend like this um, with the children you don't see it at all. So the children are not yet able to pick um, cues or good ideas up from what they've already been presented with. However, um, this is ongoing research and there are um, a couple of reasons um, that um, we suggest um, could underlie this finding that the children were not able to learn from each other. I personally don't conclude that the children um, are unable um, to produce culture-dependent traits. Um, so in our current research, we're tweaking our um, design a little bit um, to um, also give the children like more chance to, to innovate. So one example would be in this study, the children had, uh, were only able to make one tower. Some of the children used let's say six minutes to make quite an impressive structure and since they all had to be engaged for 10 minutes we wanted to make sure that everyone is spending the same amount of time at the task some of the children actually started all over so they destroyed their tower and then started all over and when the 10 minutes were up um, they actually ended up with quite a, a, a low or a bad structure so that is something um, that we think we can change um, 
in just by giving the children um, like limitless um, resources um, and so to discourage them from actually destroying um, their tower and if they want to make another one they can just do, make a second one without destroying the first one so we want to introduce these little um, tweaks um, because I personally think um, that the children do possess the innovative capacities to produce culture dependent traits um, so just to conclude um, our, to go back to the, the non-humans um, our finding that action copying is not um, necessary for um, for copying or acquiring culture-dependent traits, and the finding that comes from the adult literature, the adult literature found that um, humans can produce a ratchet effect without action copying, that um, puts or that questions the importance of imitation as a social learning mechanisms mechanism for um, cumulative culture or underlying cumulative culture and that is interesting again for um, primatologists um, who would like to know whether we can find um, something like a cumulative culture in, in non-humans as well and um, since we know that um, they, like the chimps are quite limited, limited in their imitative capacities and from these studies um, we know that imitation might not play such an important role, um, there might be some scope to actually find some examples uh, for cumulative culture in non-humans. So I'd just like to thank all the participants, the children and the parents, um, and you for um, listening and um, looking forward to um, some interesting discussion and questions. Thank you.